Hi, everybody. It's Katie Austin here, and welcome back to Austin AF. Today, I have a very special guest. Ben Smith is coming into studio. Ben is a fitness trainer, entrepreneur, mental health advocate, and also was on a national dating show. So I am so excited to talk to him a lot about his eating disorder. He opens up on national TV about all of his mental health struggles. And so there's so much we can talk about that gets very serious. But at the same time, I want to know, is he single? I'm sure you listening, you want to know who is he dating? Is he still keeping up with people from his TV show? And so we will deep dive into all of that. Speaking of dating and being single, um, I want to open this up. That sounds like I was just about to announce my breakup. No, still happily in a relationship. But I wanted to talk about my last two years before I met my boyfriend on my first date tips. Woohoo! I have nine tips for you guys out there. If you guys are just getting back in the dating game. If you came out of a long-term serious relationship like me, I was in like a four and a half, five-year relationship. And when that ended, I was literally like, wait, um, how do I restart? How the hell do I go on a date? How do I flirt with a boy? How do I get to know someone? So I have a few tips for you guys, specifically nine of them, if you guys are going on a date. Plus, I feel like summer is beginning and it's going to be just such a fun time to go on a few dates. And dates don't mean that you are going to marry this person, by the way. If I were me and I were still single, I would love to go on dates for A, fun, free meals, (laughs) B, good cocktails. And it's just a really fun experience to get to know people and getting to know what you do and don't like about a significant other is really, really important. So here are my nine dating tips. Number one, if you are showing up to a first date, don't be late. And I mean that, okay, you guys, I feel like it is so rude when you even show up 10 minutes late. Um, How awkward is it if you were like at the restaurant, just like waiting for like 20 minutes before the person showed up. So be respectful on time. I'm going to read these out. Number two. Oh, this is awkward. Put your phone away. Okay. This one's a really big tip, you guys. Put the damn phone away. Even if you get a text from your friend saying, how's it going or anything like that or a fun Instagram DM from another person, just, just you know, either go to the bathroom and check it. It is so disrespectful to even open up a phone. I mean, there's obviously those excuses that, um, you know, if your mom's calling like seven times, definitely pick up because there's something might be wrong. But at the same time, don't be disrespectful and be on your phone. It is such a big pet peeve. Actually, um, in this episode, I will tell you guys a certain scenario that happened to me when I was on a first date with a guy. Um, actually, I tell Ben in it. And so just hold up and wait until uh, mid-episode for that story. Ooh, tip number three, don't talk about your ex. Holy shit. This is big one because we want to open up on a first date, right? And maybe we get a little bit of alcohol in us and we want to talk about our ex-boyfriend because We try to compare, you know, anyone like, oh, here's why it didn't work out or this is what he did. And it it is our past and and a huge part of our lives are someone that we dated. But at the same time, this is your future. Okay, you guys don't talk about that ex as long, as hard as it is, but don't do it. Even if he asks you, kind of keep it short, keep it brief at the same time. I went on a a first date, uh, what was this, like two years ago, and the guy talked about his ex for over 45 minutes because, and, and it just drove me 
me absolutely insane. He kept talking about her, how she like helped him through his depression. She actually, um, you know, after they broke up, she decided to uh, go with the same sex. And so he felt very insecure that he, his ex-girlfriend ended up being, you know, a lesbian and blah, blah, blah. And I'm literally like, am I in a therapy session right now? And it just really put a damper on our date because I feel like I was just like, you know, he was just venting to me. And so definitely don't do that. Have a very lighthearted conversation on a first date. Tip number four. Ooh, this is a really good one. Order food that you actually want to eat. Ah, why is that even a tip? Why is that even advice? But you guys need to hear it because we want to make sure we are A, energized with a good meal in us and B, you're showing the person you're on a date with what you're going to be really like if you guys do end up dating as well. Maybe don't like have, I don't know, just like a lot of refried beans and be all really farty, but at the same time, eat what you want, okay? I promise you guys, the person at your date will want you to eat what you want. And that also goes uh, for a past episode when Carissa, I don't know if you guys saw episode two, but Carissa wanted to order the lobster at the dinner <laughs> and the guy was like, uh, I don't know, or wanted to order one of the most expensive ones. So you know what? If what you want to eat is more expensive, go for it. Tip number five. Ooh, I like this one. I wrote these all down, by the way, beforehand, so I wouldn't um, forget. Tip number five. Why not take a tequila shot before you go? This actually always helped me. I used to take a tequila shot before any date that I went on just because I know I can handle myself sober. But it's just kind of like a little bit of an extra confidence boost because I do get nervous before a first date. But at the same time, don't be drunk. And that leads me to my sixth tip. Don't show up wasted. So you're only going to want to take one or one and a half shots or have one glass of wine beforehand or one cocktail. You really don't want to show up to your date drunk. I promise you guys, you'll ruin it. Take my advice. I have showed up to so many dates wasted and I ruined it. I have those stories. So try your best to just uh, keep it to one drink beforehand. And that leads me also to tip, I think this is number eight now. Clean up your space before you leave for the date. So for me, I have a specific date story that I want to tell you guys about because all three of these last tips are combined into one story. I was going on a date with this Lakers player. Let's just say his name, Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> I fucking hate myself. <laughs> Anyways, I was going on a date with Kyle Kuzma and he, <laughs> I was so nervous. Obviously, who's not nervous to go on a date with him? And so basically he was like, okay, I'll be there in 10 minutes. And I was like, okay, pff, ripping at least three shots. And I had a glass of wine. So I was like feeling myself. I was pretty drunk. And obviously at dinner, I'm having three more drinks. And so um, I didn't think that he would want to come back to my apartment afterwards. Obviously, I'm not that type of girl. If my parents are listening to this right now, um, I, I don't even kiss on a first date ever. And so basically, like I wasn't planning for him to come back to my place. But he got a little bit like tipsy, you know, at the dinner. And so he had to come because we walked to the dinner. So he had to come over because obviously he's not going to drive home. He's actually one of the most responsible, amazing guys. He is so funny, so awesome. So that was a side note though. I just wanted to say that. And so basically he came back over and I did not clean up at all. Like I'm telling you, my shots were all out and he comes home and he was like, he, and he came home with me and he was like, did you uh, rip shots by yourself before I picked you up? And I was like, 
Um, yeah, that's really, really embarrassing. So make sure you clean up the space beforehand. I mean, like my room was a total mess as well. If even if you're not that type of person who wants to hook up with someone, um, and, and I didn't even that night at all, I just wish I was a little bit more cleanly because you of course just want to be like a little bit more clean than I was when, you know, you just never know if that person's going to come home with you or not. You might hit it off. Um, and that leads me to my ninth tip at the same time, always making sure that you are in a public space when you first meet up with someone, especially from a dating app. So um, don't take my advice, how the person came to my house and then we walk somewhere, always meet at the restaurant first. So actually those are like four tips that I went against on my first date with Kyle Kuzma. And so whatever I did obviously didn't work because we never had a second date. So take those tips. Um, and I hope you guys have so much fun on your first date. Be lighthearted um, and stay positive about dating, you guys. I know it can be so, so hard to stay positive while you're going on all these first dates and you're just going to be like, oh my God, is there even someone out there for me? But I promise you there is. Stay hopeful. And Ben is going to now talk to us about his mental health and uh, eating disorder and his dating right now. So Ben, let's do this. We have Ben Smith here, Hi. and by the way, thank you for coming in. I know you're a of busy course. man, and mm -hmm. you're working out a lot and running two businesses. So I got you a pre uh, protein shake from this grocery store in Los Angeles called Air One, yeah. and <laughs> what basically what's in it is uh, chocolate, protein powder, almond milk, and peanut butter. So how's it taste? There's peanut butter in there. There's peanut butter yeah, in there. there if you had to describe your perfect post-workout protein smoothie, what would it be? Probably this one. Um, no, I really like uh, I like putting cereal in my protein shakes. So, Actually, yeah, that's so cereal random. Inside of, yeah, well, I'm trying to get like a little post workout carbohydrates. So oh. uh, I like almond milk, protein powder, banana, peanut butter, and then I put cereal in. Do you put it on top like it's crunchy, or you blend it? Blend. Wow, yeah, I've good. literally never heard of that before. Guys, producers, let's get some yeah. cereal up in here. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. <laughs> what what kind of meals do you eat? I actually would like love to know this because you're such yeah. a fitness professional. You're yeah, very yeah. fit. What type of meals do you eat daily? Uh, I eat a lot of like nutrient-dense, high-quality, whole food meals. So like animal protein, leafy green vegetables. Um, but then I really love sweets and I love baked goods. And so I eat a lot of cake, a lot of cookies. Um, not so much like candy, but like... I'm much of like an intuitive eater, uh, so like whatever I'm feeling that day, I, I eat that thing and then I like try hard not to like worry about it and then the next day I just do the same thing over and over again. So I like really don't uh, stress about nutrition. That's like a departure from how I used to be. I used to be obsessed with what I'm putting in my body or not putting in my body and now it's kind of just like based on feel. But I do prioritize animals and plants for sure. So there's so much I wanted to start to get started with, but at the same time, you just brought up a really good point of intuitive eating. Yeah. And I think it takes a long time to get there. Totally. And it is not something like intuitive eating, like everyone should be doing it. And sometimes when I say that on my social medias, I almost feel bad because it's such a journey to understand it. Right. Um, and so can you kind of explain to, you know, the people that might not know um, how you've struggled in the past with thinking about eating? Yeah. Well, so like to your point just then, it's like without the awareness around like what the foods you're consuming are doing for you, like you can't eat intuitively because you lack the intuition to do the things that are appropriate. Great and point. so... Uh, for me specifically, uh, as like a 15 year old kid figured out what girls were and I realized they like, don't like the fat kid. And so I was like, Oh my God, I should like not be chubby anymore. And I like need to be whatever I thought that they wanted me to be. So like a skinny fit 
whatever it is. And uh, so I started training, had no idea what I was doing, stopped eating, uh, basically developed anorexia in my, my mid-teenage years. So wow. 15, 16, 17, 18, consuming you know, minimal calories, overdoing training to the max. I thought running was the only way to be fit. So I'm running like 10 miles a day as like oh a 17 year old, uh, I'm like six to 140 pounds when I started my senior year of high school. And uh, just a really sad relationship with food. Cause those are like years where you're supposed to be like eating a lot and your you know, hormones are in a place where you can really develop some like nice muscle and grow totally. and develop. And, uh, puberty, you need some. Yeah, so I like screwed fuel. up puberty for the most part. Um, and then found a coach. I'm blessed. I have a really great support system. But early on, my dad was like, oh, my God, dude, you're a stick. We need to, like, get you into a gym somewhere. And so there's a coach in Indianapolis I start working with. And he basically shows me how to train, shows me how to eat, kind of forces me into this position where he's like, look, man, if you want to be better at your sport. Or for me, I was, like, going into the Army. It's like, if you want to be big and strong and able-bodied to do that job, you need to be bigger. And so I was able to, like, work through this anorexia um, with his help. We never really addressed like the root cause of why I was doing what I was doing. Part of it was body dysmorphia. Another part of it was like a, a control thing. And so like just based on how I was raised in my home, I just, you know, my, my family was great. My childhood home was wonderful. I had everything I ever needed, emo like materialistically, but I was like left emotionally wanting a lot. And yeah. so uh, I think there was a lack of like coping or excuse me, uh, a bit of like a coping strategy that was involved in my, my eating disorders. And so anorexia turned into bulimia, um, binge eating disorder first. Wow. And then coping with the binge eating, uh, you know, you, like I talked with Victoria yesterday. And yeah. so we likened binge eating to like an alcoholic using alcohol to numb themselves from some sort of stressor or pain. And so I was using food to cope, but then I realized I wasn't able to like be active or effective in my life when I was like overfed or like sick or whatever it was. And so I found that purging could just like fix that or like right. reverse that. Um, it gave me even more control. And then uh, that just is like a vicious self-fulfilling cycle that just continued for a number of years. And so I was uh, stuck in this thing and I kind of like just decided to be over meticulous or uber meticulous with how I started tracking food. So it became, that was my new obsession, not the binging or purging or not eating. It was like the tracking. And through that process though, kind of like what you alluded to earlier, where like intuitive eating stems from your ability to like know what the foods is, are doing for you um, through my tracking and through meticulous uh, you know intention behind what I was eating I developed an awareness around food and now having all that experience I can be like oh that seems good I know there's probably right. protein carbohydrates and fat in there I can eat that and be generally all right and then like later I'll eat another thing that like right. kind of fits a model that I know well you know and so I just yeah. like eat in that vein for and it took you years to get there it was year, not 20 years 20 years yeah so anyone listening to this right now, it, it is a process. And sometimes I hate the word journey because it's like so cliche, but it's the truth. Yeah, I mean, it's a journey, sure, but it's like it's like time spent in a stressful situation. Like you build, you adapt to it or you like evolve. And so it's just like my evolution right. over, over a number of years. Like I've just evolved into this place where now I'm not worried about drinking this. Like totally. there was a point in my life where like if you had said, Ben, I got you a shake, I'd be like, oh my God. Like how many calories in that many, shake right now? Should I? I can't drink yeah. it because I ate two hours ago. I need to wait three hours to eat because like the proteins are going to have to like dissolve and like I can't have thirty grams of protein in an hour. Are you kidding me? Right now I'm like, it tasted really good. Like <laughs> yeah, and you know what's going in your body. Yeah. You're thinking about the nutrients. I just think it's so, um, it's so awesome that you're so open about this because. Yeah. 
I don't know why in society it, it's like, oh, this girl has an eating disorder, like maybe, but why is it so taboo for a man to talk about their eating disorders too? So this took me a long time to get to this place. Uh, I understand now, kind of like we talked about with intuitive eating, I now have this awareness around the fact that like me sharing my story can help other people. Yes. And so like earlier on, I'd been like, Ben, shut up. Like no one gives a shit about what you're saying. Like just keep it to yourself. But I've like been conditioned over the course of the last couple of years. I've been very involved in therapy. I understand that like sharing or externally processing my feelings and my experiences is valuable to other people. And uh, especially like given the fact that this is generally a uh, coined a female problem, like eating disorder or disordered eating. Like I know that like looking the way that I do or having the profession that I do or being the way that I am allows me to speak to people who are scared to share. Totally. A thing that I find find interesting is like I never thought about it as a girl's problem. I never like in the middle of it. Right. Like being bulimic or being anorexic, I never thought, oh my God, like why am I having this? I didn't it never even crossed my mind and I haven't had that realization until very recently. But I never thought like, oh my God, this is a thing that only girls go through. Oh my gosh, I, I know I a thought lot of it guys as a, that do. Yeah, and I, maybe it's because my background's in fitness. And so like I knew of other guys who were experiencing similar things or like, you know, I, I'm not sure why. And I, and I, Victoria and I talked about this yesterday, but it's like, she asked me that same question. She's like, how did you feel as a man in this, in this situation? And I was like, it didn't matter. I didn't, I didn't even realize that it wasn't a man's it was, problem. It's a human problem. Yeah. It's not, you know, fe- female versus male. It's a human problem. Right. And uh, now the more that I talk about it and speak about like how prevalent it is or learn more about how prevalent it is, I feel compelled or like I'm, if I don't say something or I don't speak up about it, then I'm like doing myself and everybody else who could potentially benefit a disservice. And so like, I'm trying really hard to be open and vulnerable doing things like this or like even on my own social media or like my own coaching businesses. I'm trying to like be like, look, you're not alone. Like we're all dealing with this thing. Everyone's doing the best that they can. And like, I'm going to show you how I handled this situation. And you realize once you are so vulnerable, how many other people you can help and how many other people are struggling. Like I'm sure you get so many messages and especially someone like you, you're not only opening up on your social media, you open up on national television about all, all your eating disorders. Like how, how did you become that vulnerable? That was an accident. Really? Yeah. Um, and I, that has like a negative connotation. But like, so I saw that TV experience, you know, going on like a nationally televised dating show is like a really hectic and inherently stressful thing. And so I I saw it as a capstone experience in my therapy. So like, uh, we can probably, we'll talk about this at some point, but like my transition out of the military, I was in the army for 10 years. Transitioning out of the army was the most stressful, painful, debilitating experience in my life. I was not prepared. And so I basically took like two years off of dating. I like didn't even think yeah. about it as an option. Focusing I, on yourself. Yeah, I like didn't know what I was doing. I was completely lost. I was trying to figure out uh, what I needed to do to set myself up for success later in life, financially and professionally first. And the personal side of my life was like an afterthought, which is like I think is okay just yeah. for that season. Um, but then I was asked to do this thing. I go on this show, and I went in there with the intention of of either you know, potentially having a relationship with a real person, which would be really cool because I hadn't experienced that in a long time, learning something about myself and challenging myself in a way that I otherwise wouldn't be able to. And then third was like restoring my faith in humanity or the opposite sex at least. And I got all three of those things in the experience, which is really cool. But I was put in a position where like just the way that the experience transpired, I was able to share things and felt comfortable sharing. And up until that point in my life, I mean, I'm 
at that point 30 years old, I'm still 30 years old, but I'm a 30 year old man. I'd never felt comfortable sharing those things. And just like the way that it was, I decided to share and I kind of got like on this momentum streak where like sharing felt good. It was, it was, uh, received in a way that wasn't scary. And then I just dump all my stuff. The coolest part about that though is like, I don't have secrets anymore. That is a really good point. With anybody. That's a really, really good point because it's almost like now the whole world knows. Yeah. And so I don't know if you're dating now, but it's like, hey, this is who I am. And if you don't fuck with it, then you can head out. Yeah. That's like a weird thing too because it's hard to date now. Because like (laughs) people like, not that people know me, but people think that they know me. Right. And so they have this preconception of like what I might be because they saw 14 minutes of me on TV. And they, and they think that that's who I am. And like a part of it, sure. Like a part of who I am is what you saw or what like you've heard about or read about. But like there's 99.9% of Ben that wasn't shown. And like I get upset. Wow. My biggest concern going into that experience was that like they wouldn't see my humor. And you never got to. But like uh, <laughs> Wait, I have like a weird I have like a weird sense of humor that's like I think it's funny. But uh, <laughs> I have a weird sense of humor and... I was concerned that like the masses wouldn't appreciate it. And like, luckily they never showed any of that stuff. So like, that's great. They're like, let's cut this. That's great. But, uh, (laughs) but I think it's really funny. You mentioned my social media. Like when I came in, like I'm just me, like I'm just, I'm I like, I'm the same person then before then now, like there's been no change. Um, but in your dating sense, has there been a change? Like I'm sure, you know, before the show, it was like, Hey, I'm Ben. What's up? And girls might, you know, you're obviously a very handsome guy, but Thank now you. it's like, okay, you're famous and you're handsome mm-hmm. and you have a lot of followers online. Has like the has it changed and and do people perceive you differently? Yeah, I mean, you have to be honest. I mean, yes. I would say yes. Like I Yes, it has. You know? I get a lot more attention and yeah. I and I uh am the type to like question it. And so like I'm I think I'm much more uh like reserved or like cautious now. Um, I have to be careful of like who I interact with and why I'm interacting with them. And like, I already like had a, and this like goes back to like my vulnerability journey, but like I have trouble trusting people. And so like, I think even more now I'm like more on guard and I've noticed it. I mean, I haven't really been dating that much, but like I notice that I'm very cautious and like, you kind of have to be. Yeah. And I like, I don't like that, you know, I'd like, I'd like to be. I'm incredibly passionate and like I'm very emotional even though I like don't often portray that outwardly I'm very emotional and I like to feel and I uh I want to like go all in on a thing but like now I'm like noticing that I'm like very much pumping the brakes in like a lot of areas of my life just because I'm like my biggest fear is like being taken advantage of and like I don't know what anyone's real intentions are. And like, I'm a nobody. Like, it's I'm, hard. I'm, I'm like not no, an actual, day, you know what I mean? I'm just, like because... a, I'm just a normal person, you know? And so. Yeah. Are you actively trying to date? Like, are you on dating apps or it's like just not, whatever comes? I'm not on dating apps. You're not. No. Would you ever do a dating app? Uh, probably not. No. <laughs> no. I, no. I just not so. into it. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's just like, it doesn't seem, I've done it, it before. Seem real. I've done it in the past and it's like been nice for what it's worth. But like, I'd, I'd rather like do a thing where I'm a big believer in like everything happens for a reason. And I know that people like, like people are rolling their eyes right now hearing that. But like, I think to believe otherwise would be like a massive disservice to yourself. 
And so like you have to trust that like shit's going to work out the way that it should. And so uh, right now I'm like, well, if a thing materializes organically, then it was probably okay like to come into my life. And like I'm not actively searching for a thing. I'm not going to put myself in a position where like the only the only reason you're on that app is to like meet another person. For but, sure. like if it happened organically, then like So would you say you're ready or open for a relationship? Uh, I'm ready to explore what that might be. You're not actively seeking, no but way. if it comes to you, yeah. you'll be open to it. I've got a I got like really into like uh, manifesting and like we can talk about therapy later, but uh, actually let's talk about it right now. Let's fucking um, talk about it now. I, I think have, it's it's again for some reason uh, therapy's always been taboo, and especially for yeah. someone like me, I actually just started therapy last year because yeah. quarantine made me a just a crazy person. You and everybody, you and everybody else. <laughs> Everyone in the world. So yeah. I actually do therapy once a week now, and I've just started opening up about it because mm. you know I thought it was only for people who have quote unquote I'm you know no. problems, and I don't have anything that's like a problem. I w- I get so upset with myself because my life is amazing. Yeah. I have literally everything I've ever wanted. Yeah. So why the fuck do I need therapy? Right. And then I started going, and it has helped me so much yeah. to talk to someone who isn't close to me. Totally. And, like, no matter what your intentions are or what you hope to get out of it, like, just being there and experiencing that and, like, being intentional with, like, something that's focused on you and only you is, like, such a gift to yourself. And, like, I've been doing it for a couple years now, almost three years. And I think uh, the most important part is, like, finding a therapist that, like, like, jives with you. And, and cares about you, you guys. Sure. I've had a therapist it's dating. that just was going through the motions of and and would hand me every yeah. single week would give me just a checklist of what to do that week. No. And so this therapist, I was like, I don't want any worksheets. No. I don't want one worksheet because that other one just gave me worksheets. Yeah. It's like dating. If it's not yeah. right, then it's not right. And so it took me several. And my therapist, I don't know if I can like plug her. She's the best. Her name's Sarah Baldwin. She's in uh, Beverly Hills, but. We do this thing called somatic healing, and so basically, I'm feeling through experiences rather than like talking about them or like thinking about them because I spend a lot of time in my head, and so we're trying to get me out of this like analytical, logical brain and into my body and, and feeling through stuff. Um, it's been incredibly helpful, but a part of that is like I don't want to call it manifesting, but I, I journal a great deal, and uh, I have like a mantra for this year. We have a we have a segment called mood boosting mantra at mood the bo- end. So, okay, so I have a mood boosting mantra. Okay, let's do mood boosting mantra right now. <laughs> uh, let's hear it. So mine is what will be for me, is for me, and what for you, what's for you is for you. I'm open to that experience, and I'm looking for a deeper connection to myself. And I write that in wow in my journal every morning. Uh, Maybe not those exact words, but something along those lines. But like whatever is for me will be for me and whatever's for you. I absolutely love that because on this show and even last week, we talked about comparison so much. And I think it's um, that quote and that mantra really goes along with comparison because we struggle so much to see, in our, especially in our 20s. For some weird yeah. reason, we look at other people, and I'm 27 right now, and yeah. I could look at another 27-year-old who has you know, married and two kids. And uh, we're all on just these different life paths, and yeah. so realizing your path is your path, yeah. and your whatever's that quote, it's kind of cliche. It's like, my chapter one is not your totally. chapter 28 or something like that. Right, and like, I think the emergence of social media has like really damaged a lot of people's views of like what's reality. And like, it's not reality, you know? Uh, I try really hard to make the things that I put on social media like my actual reality because I don't, do. <laughs> I don't, I don't want, I don't want you to think that I've got it figured out because I surely don't. Your social media is funny. Yeah, thank like, you. Like you post 
<laughs> fucking hilarious selfies and like funny yeah, that's faces. What it, but that's what, but that's me. Right. Like I'm not, I don't, I'm not trying to like appease some greater like thing. I'm not like, I'm not doing anything for anybody else but for me. Right. And there's like a running joke. Uh, every time I post a thing, I lose 2,500 followers. Like every what? time, every time. What? You ever lost 100,000 followers? You lost 100,000 followers? It's like 85,000 at this point. But like No way. Oh yeah, but like that's that's fine. And I think it's hilarious and it's like almost a game now and like now everyone's going to like unfollow me, which no, I think is hilarious. Know. But it's so funny but, you say that because yeah, Victoria Garrick, who yeah. you were on yesterday's podcast and she has come on the show before, she said, "You don't want someone no. following you who is one click away from unfollowing no. you." No. And I think that is like it's so obviously very Gen Z and millennial, but that applies to real life as well. Yeah. You don't want a friend who's like, oh, you're going to say something a little bit out there. And that friend's like, oh, all of a sudden I'm not going to be your friend anymore. I think uh, for so long in my life, I'm, I've been like a people pleaser my entire life. And I've like quieted myself or like muted myself in a way where it would be like comfortable for others. And I'm not doing anything insane. I'm just like being myself. I'm just like a fun, whatever I am. And now I've like stepped into this. I'm like, I just got out of the army two years ago, three years ago, almost three years ago. Holy shit, I did not realize it was that recent. I'm like a baby deer that's like just stepping into like adulthood and I'm 30, (laughs) but I act like I'm 12 and like I just finally am starting to like realize who I am and what I am and I'm like not close to it at all, but like I'm getting there every day and so I'm like really trying to be intentional about like feeling the feelings that I'm feeling and acting in the way that I I want to act rather than what I think other people would like me to be. And, uh, you know, some people don't like that, but like, I think about it myself. I don't like everybody. Right. So like, why would they like me? (laughs) Especially on national TV. It is hard to be liked. I'll tell you that. Yeah. And like, you know, to that end for all the positive that's come out of this, like there's been a lot of negative, uh, for like me just being me. And so, uh, I think it's been helpful to experience that because now I can deal with like criticism and I can deal with, uh, hate online, which like, that's such a broad Come out the other side stronger. Yeah. Mentally stronger too. And I think you brought up a really good point too, which, um, I think a lot of my listeners actually might struggle with because of our age group, um, being lost in life. Oh yeah. You, you know, (laughs) golf, you went to West Point, military, uh, bachelor, starting a bodybuilding club, like all of these things that you do. And I think every, every single thing that you do actually leads you to the next point of your life. But at the same time in our twenties, it is so fucking hard to realize what we're doing is for a reason. And I have felt lost until my 27th year. Truly. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? And so I think it's a very, very um, important topic to be vulnerable, vulnerable about because a lot of people feel uh, very lost and that doesn't end at 30. No, it it takes a very long time. I'm still lost. (laughs) <laughs> so lost. I'm so what 30. would you tell your, I don't know, your 25 year old self in that moment when you said you like, you, you had those two years that you really did not know what you were doing. Any yeah. Advice? I would have asked myself to have a little bit more grace for me, uh, given myself some slack. I'm incredibly hard on myself. I think most people are, whether they want to admit it or not. Uh, I would have said you know, that everything is going to be okay because it always ends up being okay. And that like maybe just like chilling out for a second or like not pushing so hard is appropriate. Right. And I, um, like I said, I think social media and this like hustle culture that we have here in Los Angeles specifically where it's like we grind all the time, like whatever. That, I mean, that's my life at this point. And it's like, it's not enjoyable. But like, I also understand that like the only life I get to live is the one like right now. Yeah. And so that 25 year old kid who's lost 
quit looking ahead, like live the life that you're living at 25 or 24 or 21 or 27, whatever it is, like live each day. Like it's the only day that you have because it's the only day that you have. God, that's my issue. And that's what I really realized. And I know the pandemic has been horrible for yeah. a lot of people all over the world. But for me, it was actually amazing Same. for my inner self and my mental health because I had a full breakdown the first three months. I'm telling you, I was not an okay person stuck yeah. in the house with my parents. And I really realized that my entire life before the pandemic, I was just looking ahead. Mm -hmm. And I was a type of girl who was staying busy for yeah. the wrong reasons. I was in hustle culture and I was traveling. I had a show mm. in New York City every single Friday. Every Friday. So I was traveling from LA to New York. From LA to New York every Thursday night. And then I'd end the sh end my work on Saturday uh, through Sunday. I'd go out and party. Uh, Monday, fly back or fly to Miami or fly anywhere else and just do a job. I did a 12 city workout tour. I was staying busy for an entire year and always looking ahead to the next thing. And yeah. so with the pandemic, I had to stay put yeah. and we couldn't think about the next thing in life. You yeah. had no idea what was happening next. Yeah. And so it was really good for me. That's really great. I'm happy. Yeah. Did That's, you have like the same type of experience? Uh, no, not, not really. Um, so when the pandemic hit, so I work for a family of gyms and like fitness basically shut down in Los Angeles. And so, uh, I was lucky that during the pandemic I happened to move out of my apartment like the week that the pandemic started and I moved in with my best friend who happens to own the gym that I coach for. Wow. And so the two of us together kind of like, we joke that it's like IBM starting in a garage, but we like started a couple businesses in the house and like we did the opposite where we like quadrupled down on work and creativity because we were like in this house together. Um, and so I did focus on myself. I had been focusing on myself for a bit leading into the quarantine, which was like really nice that I had that momentum. But then I got really excited and, and passionate about this creative project. And so it like consumed my time and like really forced me to like, I keep, using, I keep using the word intentional, but I was so intentional with my time. And there's so much extra time in quarantine because there's no commuting. There's no right. anything. No social outings. No. And so uh, I'm like really proud of myself for the work that we did then like saved the gyms and like it's it's been really monumental for my development as a coach and as an entrepreneur and like as a like I said I feel like I'm a, like a 12 year old I, f I feel like I'm still a, a kid even though I'm 30 years old and it like kind of reaffirmed for me that I am like a functioning adult and I can contribute and I can be an advocate uh you know for not only a community but then also like myself and like all these it was like really it was really helpful and, and there's great. also a huge positive to always thinking like you're still a kid like I I feel like I'm still 21. It's my I still favorite. like I haven't even started my career yet. My favorite thing about myself is that I'm like my childlike innocence or whatever you want to call it. But uh, and that's amazing. You want to keep that yeah, inside. That's of you. my favorite part of yeah. Me. So question. Yeah. You in quarantine, you yeah. were doing this with your gyms and yeah. you know refocus and stuff. And then did you apply to this national dating show or how no. did that go about? Uh, they reached out to me and just what? wanted me to participate. How did they find you? I'm not sure. I think just like on social media. And Seriously. So, yeah. And so. Uh, I think I said no initially, and then they were like, no, you should do it. And I, How many followers did you have at this point? Like a 1,000, I think, or 2,000. How 000. did they find you with the 1,000? A good smile or something. Wow, I, I don't know. that's crazy. So um, you've actually been to my house. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my um, house was where the show was filmed. 
So we did it in La Quinta in yeah. Palm Springs. So I have two houses there. Really? Yeah, my, well, my parents do. Wow. Um, and so it's a very large five-acre estate and wow. with the mountains in the back. That's cool. And the pool was used and everything. The inside, we t- completely gutted it last week, uh, two weeks ago now. Um, and so you probably saw the inside of my house. But That's cool. It's, it's being redone. But how creepy is that That's house? That's really creepy. Do you remember that house? I don't. You don't? No. It's all a blur. It really... Okay, yeah. do you black out when you're yeah. like doing something when like I'm that? I'm stressed. Yeah, I would too. I feel like I would um, go into a scenario on the show, get wasted. That's That would be me. And say shit that I literally would regret and cringe. Yeah, I think I had like two drinks the whole time. So I like No, didn't, you're kidding. I'm not kidding. They didn't f- feed you more drinks? I, I didn't. I feel like they would. I didn't, I didn't want any alcohol. I wanted to, I approached it like therapy and so I like Good was really into, I like was sober the whole time and I like wanted it to be an experience where I like felt through all the things that I was, ha- were happening to me. So. And I feel like uh, the moral hangover when you drink yeah. and then it's on national television for me, I, I couldn't do a national dating show no matter what it is or reality TV because I'm a type of person who would have one cocktail and then uh, next thing you know, I would be wasted on TV saying some shit that I would not want to say yeah. and <laughs> it would not be fun to watch and my parents would be like, what are you doing? It would so. be fun in the moment, but then <laughs> shitty no. later. And then you'd wake up. That's the thing about alcohol sometimes. You wake up and you're like, what did I do? But yeah. this time it's on TV. Yeah. Well, you'll you'll find out what you did. That's for sure. Do you'll you see watch it later. yourself back? I did watch it. Yeah. How did you feel when you watched it back? Um, it's it's like a weird. It was a weird thing. I uh, like I said, I kind of like black out in the moment, and so like I experience it. But like after the fact, you're like, what just happened? And then you get to see it later, and you're like, oh my god! Like the first time I watch it is the first time you get to watch it. Whoever's watching the show. What type of feelings though? Like for me, it would be extremely hard to watch an ex of mine and like seeing our interactions watched back. I think my time in the military has given me this ability to like decompartmentalize my life. And so like once the experience was over and once I realized that like there wasn't anything that was gonna come from from that, then I was able to like kind of emotionally detach myself from the experience. And so when I was watching it for re- when I was watching it on the television, it was almost like I was watching another person that wasn't me. Wow, good for you to be yeah. able to do that. Yeah, I don't know if that's good. I think maybe I... I feel like that is because I <laughs> would have too many emotions. What yeah. sign are you, by the way? Leo. You're Leo. Okay, I don't know anything about Leos. Yeah. I know, like, Pisces and Cancer are, like, very sentimental and emotional. I think that I'm sentimental and emotional. I also, I, I think that, like, I've been conditioned. Like, you're a form follows function. And so yeah. I've just been, like, conditioned to be the way that I am. I think that was, like, a big premise on the show. Like, I'm cast as, like, the emotionally unavailable former service member who, like, can't share his feelings. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. Like, I... I'm very emotional and thoughtful and intentional and like all of these things. And uh, even though I am those things, like I am able to like shut it off when I need to or like want to. That just means you're mentally tough. I'm trying. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. This next segment is called No Filter. We're at the end. Don't worry, Ben. We're at the end of this. No, it's good. Um, So I want to know your worst dating experience or your worst dating pet peeve. Oh, biggest pet peeve for sure is if you take your phone out on the date. Um, I mean, if you have to, for sure do it. But, like, I'm not going to have mine out. Like, when I'm trying to get to know somebody, I care I care about this experience. Like, you said it earlier, my time is valuable. Your time is valuable. Everyone it's so rude. needs to care about that. It is so rude. And, uh, I mean, I've, have se- I've had several dates. And I don't know if it's, like, a function of just being in Los Angeles. But, like, everyone's 
attached to their phone 24 hours a day. And if I'm like on a date with you and you're looking at your phone the whole time. Or even not even the whole time. Even or if any it's just of like, the time. Even if for, for some time. So I went on a date actually um, and the guy was on his phone like this uh, as a date. And we're like sitting kind of close. Yeah. And he, all he's doing is on Instagram stories watching girls in bikinis. And I'm literally, I see it. Like I'm literally like pretty close to him. It's like from here to you yeah. or even a little bit closer. And I'm like... Do I say something in that scenario? Yes. What would I say? What are you doing? Like, oh, nice. Are you just on Instagram? But yeah, but I'm not trying to be like, you know how guys can sometimes be like, oh my God, she was so crazy or something. But at yeah, the same time, like, it's just disrespectful. Like, you don't want to be a part of that. No. So obviously it didn't work out. Like I'm yeah. happily in a relationship now, but at the yeah. same time, like it was just. Just because he didn't look at the Instagram stories on your first date, right? He, that's he, why. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. why. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. He, he honestly, like we have a rule, you know, during dinner and like yeah. there's some times like no phones because yeah. I, he has a regular finance nine to, nine to five yeah, yeah. and I am in social media. So it can be really tough for me sometimes to realize yeah. like, Hey, we're not on our phone right now. Right. And so setting boundaries is like very, very important for me. Yeah. I'm terrible at social media. I'm like bad at like doing all of the digital stuff and it gives me so much anxiety. Uh, like I don't read my DM requests and I don't like, it took me like six months to get through like oh, one. Oh, sure. It's so debilitating to me just like to have to deal with that. So I'm like barely on my phone. It looks like I'm participating a lot on social media, but I only contribute. I like have everybody muted. I like You should. It's muting people is really good for your mental health as yeah. well. Yeah. I care I care really uh deeply about me, which like I think that like sounds selfish coming out, but like Absolutely not. I've gone I've worked through a lot of stuff and I, I understand how important it is to take care of yourself. And like if I take care of myself then I can take care of other people. And my job is taking care of other people. And so love that. I like yes, I have and like that's a not selfish. No. I have like a social media platform and I like have a thing that I run digitally. But like my actual job is like in person coaching. I work with people all day, every day, and it's like it's this. And you're seeing it's not in this. person how you're helping someone. Yeah. Um, another no filter question. Do it. Because <laughs> I was thinking of it as we were talking about phones and dating. Would you date a social media influencer? Because before I say this, yeah, we get a bad rep. I will oh, for say sure. that. And honestly, there are influencers in LA. Ninety five percent of them fucking suck and i say this off of real knowledge i'm serious most social media influencers are so into their phone and so yeah. into social media i'm i've been in this world for a very long time yeah. and i've seen so many girls just care so much and i go to some events in los angeles i wish i could say it and say some people but um i won't because we're keeping it classy but yeah. you go to these events and all they do is take photos of each other all yeah. they do they don't interact in person yeah. and so i say this like would you do any social media influencer it's like i'm kind of like backlashing someone like me but at the same time like i don't know man so i have like a couple non-negotiables like when i'm looking for a partner or if i ever were looking for a partner uh but like one of the things is that i like need somebody who cares deeply about me and cares deeply about the bond that we're trying to cultivate. Of course. And like, I don't know anything, like, I can't say no to that. Like, of course I would date anybody if they're the right person. But I need somebody who's like, I'll say this. I think that there's a, a thing that's happening where like there's an expectation about how you treat somebody that's like popular on social media. And like, we're just normal. I'm just a normal person. They're just a person. And so like, you're not special. 
not at all for having social media followers. I'm not special. Who You're not special. Care? No one cares at the end of the day how many social media followers no, you have. It means nothing. And I have been in so many scenarios. I actually had, I was at a blogger brunch and I yeah. had, and I went home crying because yeah. I, this sounds so crazy, but I had the least amount of followers there, yeah. right? And like 300K on Instagram, it's like, okay, um, I'm, you know, come on guys. Like, hi, yeah. I'm here for a reason. I'm at this event for a reason. And these girls had like 1.5 to 2 million, right? And they're all going around in a circle, filming each other. They don't speak. They just go on their phones. They Twitter fingers type. They storied everyone. There's like five girls at the table. And then they stopped at me and didn't record me and tagged everyone else. And I have felt it so many times. Like when I hang around girls with like a million followers yeah. or more, I am like insecure. And I'm like, what the hell? I have so much more to offer. I am not yeah. an influencer. Like I am so much more to that. That is literally like a, yeah. in quote unquote, five percent of my job too. Totally. It is so ridiculous how much Los Angeles emphasizes how many followers you have. Well, and that that life uh, is fragile. Or like you have like a real thing that you're building and a real thing that you're doing. Like I resonate more with that. Like I have a real job. I do a real thing. Yeah. And not that influencing isn't a real job. It's incredible. Like do do that for sure. Um, but like, I can't speak on anyone else's behalf, but like, I'm never going to like think that I'm important because I promote, promote a thing or have a follower totally. or like whatever. And that's why I've always had two jobs. Like, I yeah. don't know if you know this about me. I was on Fox sports West for oh, like two and cool. a half years. So like I was a sports broadcaster yeah. for two days a week while building my social media platform. And it was some sort of like insecurity of mine. Like I can never just be an influencer mm -hmm. because the longevity of my career and my talents are way beyond posting online and yeah. so I've had this like battle and struggle with it for the for ever since I graduated college a few years ago and just like you know hey you're an influencer that's how you can make some money but at the same time like you're not an influencer yeah. in but your it, mind but also like if that's your thing just like be a good person I agree and everyone can be a good person and treat people I agree. and like, I'm not you know. saying these people weren't yeah. weren't good people I'm saying they care so deeply totally. about the following yeah. and story views and engagement it's like there's so much more to life you guys yeah holy hell totally yeah. yeah, and I'm trying really hard not to get like sucked into any all and any of that. You seem like you're not. At it all. probably hurts me, like with my ability to like sell things or like whatever it is. But like I'm not into that. And if it doesn't make you happy, then don't do it. Yeah, and that, I'm learning that very quickly because like I spent a lot of time of my life like generally unhappy, like doing a thing because I thought it was just what I was supposed to do. Yeah, um, and you realize how much happier you are when you're not doing something you don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like genuinely happy. I love that. And I'm like trying really hard to keep it that way. Hell so, yeah. I love that. I think yeah. that's a great place to end as awesome. well. Being genuinely happy is a great place to be. Thank you so much, Ben. Appreciate you. you. And oh, before we leave, can you promo anything about your gym and what yeah. you do? How do I do this? Do I just like just, say... You can say it to me. You can say it to anyone. <laughs> Hi, my name is Ben Smith. Uh, I own a company called Bodybuilding Club. You can find us at at your bodybuilding club on Instagram. My social media is at Ben V Smith, B-E-N-V-E-E-S-M-I-T-H. I coach for a series or a family of gyms called Deuce Gym. Lovely. Nice. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. See you guys Bye. next week.